Last spring, here at the University of Chicago, the student board voted to support BDS, the Boycott, Divestment, Sanctions movement, which serves to put political and economic pressure on Israel. That next Shabbat, I spoke briefly about my Zionism, the pain I felt upon hearing this news, while acknowledging I understood what led to that decision, or I think I do, or did. This prompted our first conversation between Jonathan and me about Israel. We had spent so much time talking about so many different Jewish issues, but never Israel, and this conversation has persisted. That same week, Jonathan told me about an incident at the Shabbat dinner he was at, where the person leading the Birkat Amazon, the blessings after you eat, said a special blessing that asked God to look after Israeli soldiers, which he probably said without giving much thought, but received a lot of flack. So we thought that after an easily digested episode on food and the beauty it can and does produce, we needed to pivot eastward. Israel is becoming, I think more than ever, the elephant in the communal Jewish establishment and the focal point of many non-establishing Jewish institutions. I thought we ought to seek out the guidance of some experts from within our community to have them teach us about Israel and answer some of the most relevant questions. What is going on in Israel? What is going on on college campuses? What's wrong with these kids? Or is the problem their parents? Is the problem with our leaders and the institutions they are leading? What is APAC, J Street? Are all anti-Zionists, anti-Semitic? But Jonathan, you pushed me on this. You challenged me to zoom out and start not at the end of season six, but with the pilot. Not in the desert staring at the Jordan River, but with Abraham. Not to speak to experts who could answer each of these questions with data, trends, and the history that created those movements and numbers, but regular members of our community. In this episode, we will hear from a handful of members of the Road Faith Sedek community. By no means do their opinions account for everyone, nor do they represent the spectrum on the American voice on Israel. But we tried to pick a variety of people a diverse group of our community who have some stronger opinions on or an attachment to Israel. It is a start and it is the start we need. We need to hear each other's voice and understand each other's language. We'll continue to get nowhere if we let institutions and their donors be the manifestation of American Zionism. I asked our guests a single, but as you'll hear, not a simple question. Are you a Zionist? In today's episode, you'll hear from our cantor, Rachel Rosenberg, our synagogue's president, Dr. Diane Alcorn, community members, Tracy Ziv, Yael Hoffman, and Rabbi Larry Edwards. We asked Yael, who is Israeli, to speak in Hebrew, which just felt right. But if you do not speak or understand Hebrew, do not fret. She answer all of my questions in English, which you can hear at the very end of this episode. And stay tuned as well for a bonus future feature with community member Ratsia Wolfolk, who was born and raised in Israel, and whose father, Ben-Ami Ben Israel, founded the Black Israelite community in the southern city of Demona. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rabbi David Minkus, and once again, this is We CRZ. Jerusalem cornerstone, I'm prophet, the only eye.
subject is just for hoarding my city blocks to kill a wasp. And was I trust will force to divorce the whack MC who ain't meditating his course. This is all my territory blazing is on. It's like the poetry is not even condoned by the obsolete. Why I try to repeat the speech of mine? He be rebel son beyond the blackness of time. It's like Yerushalayim. She's my constant loving taught. Giving me the proper places in which I walk and stalk the break line. Leaving outline and chalk those who try to get over and crime. Mastermind and plot designs. Corner the con. It's like the sea and the swine. Not mixing with one eternal son who's not playing them games. We take shots for aim and leave bodies in lanes. Fuck your fame. I am a Zionist. When you invited me to come um, talk with you about this and told me you would be asking that question, I decided I would start by looking up what is a Zionist to make sure that I knew what question I was answering. So I found an article or an essay by A.B. Yehoshua in uh, the Haaretz newspaper. I'm not sure how long ago it was written, um, where he talked about his concept of what Zionism is or what being a Zionist is. So he said that um, based on Herzl, a Zionist is, was um, someone who uh, supported the establishment of a Jewish state in the land of Israel. Not just living in the land of Israel, um, but establishing a state. Um, and now that state has been established and so he thinks that the definition of what a Zionist is needs to evolve a little bit. He thinks or thought that um, given that the state exists, being a Zionist means that you support the idea that the state is for all the Jewish people, um, not just the people who live there. Um, and a consequence of thinking that is supporting the law of return or agreeing with the concept of the law of return. So after reading that, I think, yes. Had I been alive then, I would have supported the establishment of the state. I support the fact that the state was established, and I support the concept of the law of return. That still doesn't answer the question as to why. So I think that um, there is a historical connection of the Jewish people to the land of Israel, and that uh, it's legitimate for the Jewish people to have a state there. And I think, unfortunately, some of the reason the state did get established when it did was, a, was the reaction of the world to the Holocaust and the events of World War II and support on the part of the world for the idea that there needed to be a safe place for, for, the Jewish, pe for Jewish people. Unfortunately, I think today, to some extent, that is still true. I'm not you know, worried about my personal safety in the United States. I have not personally really experienced too much anti-Semitism in my life, although growing up in a relatively small town with a small Jewish population, I would say I experienced a little bit. I think there is, unfortunately, a lot of active anti-Semitism still going on, and, and so I think there does seem still need to be a place where all Jews could go if they wished. I think that a lot of people of my kids' generation don't think that's a good enough reason. Um, they maybe 
don't see it as this sort of, they don't see it being as serious a problem as, um, as maybe I do. Because um, I think it really does still exist. And even though I think theoretically it is totally possible to criticize and disagree with the policies of the Israeli government um, without being anti-Semitic, I think in practice, much of the disagreement is a is is a thin guise over true anti-Semitism. Um, but I'm not sure that that people of my kids' generation see it that way. Um, and I thought a long time about if I wanted to even say that was why I support the law of return because I think it's better to have a positive reason than a negative sort of a negative reason. Um, and so I guess I would say the positive reason is um, that I do think there is a historical connection to this particular land and that when you go there, um, you can feel that. Um, and it doesn't mean that other people's connections shouldn't be acknowledged, um, but, but the, our connection is real. I mean, there's a reason Herzl's idea of establishing the state in Uganda was a big flop. There's no connection to that, that location, to that geography. I mean, when you look in the maps at the back of the Eitz Chaim Hamash, you can, you know, see how long term the connection has been. Can Anit Zionit? Why? אני באה ממשפחה שיצאו מהשואה וההורים שלי היו להם ילדים בגיל מבוגר אז הם זכרו את השואה באופן אישי והם חיו בתקופה הזאת המשפחות שלהם ברחו מאירופה, מפולניה ומרומניה והם זוכרים מה זה היה לשבת ולהקשיב לחנשות והם איבדו המון המון מהמשפחה שלהם והכל זה קשור לציונות. המשפחה של אימא שלי הם ברחו מפולניה, הם באו לפלסטין והם היו בעלייה ב' הם היו עבדו בשדות והם בנו את הרחובות וארץ משלנו זה כל מה שהיה להם כאילו לא היה להם לאן ללכת ואם לא, אם, ה, אם המדינה לא היה מצליחה אז פשוט לא היה לנו איפה להיות ואימא שלי זוכרת היא נכנסה לחיל הים ב-1949, אז שנה אחרי הקמת המדינה, והיא הראתה לי תמונות מהכיתות שלה בבית ספר, והיא הראתה לי את כל הבנים שנפלו במלחמה, במלחמת העצמאות. אז זה לא משהו כזה אבסטרקט, זה בחיים שלה ובחיים של המשפחה שלי, המדינה הייתה כל מה שהיה להם ולא היה לנו משפחה אם לא היינו מנצחים את המלחמה הזאת 
עכשיו, מה שקרה אחרי המלחמה, במיוחד במלחמת 1977, אני לא מסכימה עם זה, אני לא מסכימה עם המצב, אני לא מסכימה עם... עם כל מה שקורה עם הפלסטינאים, לא מסכימה, לא חושבת שאנחנו צריכים להיות שם בכלל, אבל בשבילי זו שאלה נפרדת ממה זה להיות ציונית. כאילו, לנו צריך להיות ארץ שם, ולהם צריך להיות ארץ עם אותו עצמאות ועם אותו הכל. אז כן, אני ציונית, אבל לא, לא אני לא חושבת שמה שקורה שם עכשיו זה בסדר. Believe it or not, I never really define myself as a Zionist. I never really thought of myself as a, it's not I'm definitely a Zionist. I'm definitely a Zionist, but it, that, that term didn't come into my consciousness until I don't know when, but much, much later in life. I guess I grew up having a love of Israel and seeing how important Israel is to me and my community and um, And my identity as a Jew, but I sort of remember the moment. I don't remember when it was, but all of a sudden it hit me like, oh, I must be a Zionist because maybe it was that I, I met other Jews who were clearly not Zionists and, um, and I, I just had that realization that, oh, in fact, I was, even though I never defined myself as such. So to me, it means, I guess it means, um, besides having a love and appreciation of the country that is Israel, our modern um, country, it's, uh, it's feeling that connection between Israel and our past, and I guess realizing that, um, it, it, I mean, it feels like a miracle to me that for 2,000 years, um, we, although we had a presence in the land of Israel, we didn't have sovereignty as a Jewish people in Israel. And, um, and the realization that the state of Israel is uh, really quite young um, and came into existence, you know, a while before I was born, but, you know, a, a less than a generation. So, um, you know, so that's pretty incredible that we have a Jewish state in our lifetime that we can visit and that we can connect with. You know, the people in Israel, the Jews in Israel are our cousins. I guess the Arabs in Israel are, are our more distant cousins, um, but we share, um, we share that connection in our history. And um, I guess the whole idea of a Jewish state um, is, is something that I really, really believe in. I think the Jewish people have had, uh, you know, we've been wandering Jews for years and years and years, and um, And the Jewish people deserve uh, a sovereign state of our own. So um, I believe that, and I'm very proud that in our lifetime we, uh, we have that. Somehow I've noticed um, with the passing of the years a, a few things. One is that the, it feels like there's a lot of discontent within Israel now. Um, and when I go... Uh, well, I'm, I do always feel like I'm coming home. Um, just the complexities of the, the situation and the peace talks or lack thereof, I think, 
I think, weighs on, on the Israeli um, population right now in a way that it didn't used to. I guess I feel like there was some, there was much more hope for the future, and now I feel like there's a lot of disillusionment. And, and just the reality among many Israelis is that, you know, life is not perfect there, and it's, it's just very complex in so many ways. So that, uh, so I guess I feel that more, whether, whether it truly is more complex or whether it's just that I'm older and I see those different, um, I see Israel through different lenses, uh, you know, maybe that's what it is. Um, but on the American side, you know, certainly there's a lot more vocal criticism about Israel and it's not, uh, to use a Hebrew expression, muvan me'elav, it's not, uh, it's not taken for granted that, uh, that someone is a is a supporter of Israel the way that it used to be, at least in my memory. Um, so that's interesting to think about as uh, as the years go on and we keep developing that relationship. Um, but again, I just I feel like I feel like it's a fantastic country with all of its flaws, and uh, and we're just so amazingly enriched as Jews to have that that connection. Having not grown up Jewish, I don't have childhood memories that many people do of Israel. You know, at first it wasn't a thing that I thought anything about, and I sort of just tuned it out. Um, but at some point, uh, after I had started studying with Max's family's rabbi, and started being more aware of Jewish things in general and what was going on around me, I think I started to have a, a, a much clearer uh, realization of what Israel meant for me. Mm. Um, you know, for a lot of people, they have, I think, a very romanticized vision of what Israel is. And Israel is all of these wonderful things to them, and this exciting place that they traveled to once, or this exciting place that they hear about in our prayers and hope to go to someday. And it's full of the wonderful people that they met and the exciting places that they visited and holds deep spiritual meaning for them. Um, but for me at the time, having not been Jewish and now being a person that converted, perhaps what I see of Israel is not so romantic or so attractive. Israel is certainly not a great place to be a person who converted. Uh, you only have to look in the news a few days ago. It's headline national news that Ivanka Trump's rabbi's conversion was rejected in Israel by the chief rabbinate, uh, held up by the supreme rabbinate that this conversion's invalid. And this is an important orthodox rabbi who everyone here knows and respects in the Orthodox world, and Israel's chief rabbinate is saying, you're not good enough, you're not Jewish enough. So how much more so is that for me, who's a conservative convert, or for me, who wasn't Jewish, dating a Jew, how much more does that say, you don't have a place here, and you don't fit in here? Before last week, I may have said was that this is a thing that I feel that all the people around me never even see. 
and the sort of thing that if you bring up to them, it's dismissed or at best. Uh, I've been called anti-Semitic for bringing it up and we're saying I don't want to visit Israel because of it. So for me, a thing that's difficult is there's so much expectation that Israel is just part of Jewish identity uh, and part of what makes you a Jew. You know, every week we pray for the state of Israel and place it special above other nations in our prayers. You know, we celebrate Israeli national holidays like they're our own Jewish holiday celebrations. And we, on our holiest day of the year in many synagogues on Yom Kippur, take time to make an appeal to buy Israel bonds. Um, so it, it punctures even even some of the most serious moments of our ritual lives. Um, but for me, Israel is a place where I'm not Jewish. Maybe to some people, the idea of not being recognized as a Jew doesn't matter. And for me, I don't care here that the Orthodox don't think for the most part that I'm Jewish or that my conversion counts. So it doesn't mean a whole lot for my life. But in Israel, it's the difference between having basic human rights and not. Uh, in Israel, the ability for me to get remarried if something happened to my husband, or for me to get divorced if that were to be necessary, or for my children to get married when I have them, or for at the end of my life to be buried in a Jewish cemetery with my family, those are basic human rights that I wouldn't have because I'm not Jewish and there is no civil alternative. You know, for any rabbi who would turn us away, it doesn't matter here because there's a courthouse and there's a civil government and a civil option and we can surround ourselves with the people that we are Jewish enough for. But in Israel, that that isn't enough. You can't have a marriage without a rabbi if you're registered as a Jewish citizen. So for me, it's, it's hard to see how I should have some connection to Israel. And, you know, I've been told that, you know, all of the things I should love about Israel, that, you know, it's the only democracy in the Middle East. And that's great. And Israel, like all democracy, has flaws. But there is no other democracy where I personally would be denied fundamental human rights. And the list of countries that have as difficult of restrictions and laws concerning things such as marriage and divorce is a short list and an embarrassing one. I think if there was a civil alternative, my opinion might soften. But, right, as far as conversion and identity and Jewishness goes, I, perhaps conservative conversions would make the cut, but reform conversions would not. Yeah. Or perhaps some other smaller denominations conversions would not make the cut. And 
I don't feel as it should be the place of a government to decide whose identity counts enough to receive basic human rights. Everyone should have those rights. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think my opinion would change. It would make the situation personally better for me if I were to, for some reason, decide to move to Israel. Uh, but I don't think that that would really change how I felt. Um, unless there was an option for all of the people that are in a similar situation to me would find themselves able to have those kinds of basic rights. It doesn't feel welcome. Any criticism of Israel is always shut down quickly. Or the thing that I find on this issue is it's dismissed as a problem with a small group of orthodox, ultra-orthodox rabbis that have too much power and too much control. But on the surface, that may be true. But if you look underneath that, you know, Pew recently did a study of comparing Israeli and American Jewish attitudes and Jewish values. And one of the things that they found is only 40% of all of Israel's Jewish population, from the most orthodox to the most secular, support the ability for conservative and reform rabbis to perform marriages or grant divorces. So it's on the surface, it appears that it's the few who have the power, but the sentiment runs deep throughout the population. Honestly, the thing about it that hurts the most is that the community is just completely unaware and unreceptive to the fact that this is an issue and that, you know, perhaps for people who don't have the benefit of being in a situation where their Jewishness will never be questioned, that perhaps loving Israel might not be so easy and perhaps your feelings towards Israel might not be so warm, fuzzy, or whatever. It seems as though there's there's really just no receptiveness to the message, no awareness, and it sort of seems even, even at high philosophical levels, it doesn't feel like the institutions in the conservative movement care at all. They recently mentioned uh, Israel's mikvah bill to ban conservative and orthodox, or conservative and orthodox, conservative and reform use of mikvot for conversion. But their statement wasn't about that. Their statement said that they were disappointed in the fact that this bill was being legislated on to ban conservative and reform Jews from using public mikvot. That wasn't what it's about. It's about banning converts. Mm. And the movement doesn't seem to have any interest in standing up for its converts or standing behind its converts. And it sort of sits quietly by while Israel rejects orthodox conversion after orthodox conversion after orthodox conversion. But you know the ones that happen every day that are conservative or reform never make the news because that's just accepted. It feels somewhat like conservative Judaism just abandons its converts 
as far as Israel is concerned. As far as I can tell, it has no interest in standing up for its converts in Israel. And it promotes a program. I don't know what happens when you grow up Jewish. <laughs> um, but from what I can tell, people people get these rosy ideas about Israel from somewhere. And they've never been exposed to the idea that maybe Israel's not perfect. And maybe it's not perfect for Jews who aren't like me and who weren't born Jewish. And to some degree, I feel like the people around me they know me, we're personal friends. Israel's a place, it's a country, it's an idea. But I feel like the overwhelming majority, except for perhaps the few people that I'm closest to or the people that I know to be anti-Zionist anyways, would pick Israel over me every time, even though I'm right here in their life for real. We're friends, we're family they'd pick Israel every time. We have a responsibility to be critical of Israel and that we have, you know, it's fine to support Israel, but we also have to be critical of Israel and we have to support the members of our community first. And if the way that Israel conducts itself and Israel's policies don't include our members, then we need to work to change that and we need to call out those policies. I probably support the theoretical idea behind Israel and behind Zionism, but the way Israel is in practice, Israel is not a place for all Jews. And it shouldn't be up to a small number of people. Perhaps it shouldn't even be up to the majority to decide who's a Jew and who's not, and whether or not your Jewishness entitles you to basic rights. That's wrong. I'm a Zionist by necessity. It's always been part of my consciousness. I think that given the way the world is, the way the world is organized into nation states, uh, Jews need a state. In a more perfect and ideal world, there wouldn't be nation states, in which case I wouldn't need to be a Zionist, but that's not the world that we live in. At the same time as I, as I do feel that, that passion, it's a passion that sometimes keeps me awake at night because there are many things about the reality of Israel that I find deeply disturbing and disappointing. Um, uh, so part of what's lost, I guess, is sleep sometimes when I'm up late reading Haaretz or something. But, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really think of it in terms of gain and loss. It's, it's just, uh, it, it's part of who I am. It's, it's part of my identity, part of my narrative. I didn't actually get there physically until 1970. I tried to go in 1967 at the time of the Six-Day War. I, uh, I was um, at the end of my first year at the University of Chicago and the war, when the war broke out. And I went downtown to several meetings for vo volunteers who wanted to go. The State Department had put restrictions on travel to the Middle East. I needed to get a passport. Uh, I think I told them I was planning to go to France. 
but any it didn't matter really because by the time I got the passport, Israel had lots of volunteers who had come from Australia and other places. Um, they didn't they didn't really need us, so I didn't go that summer. Um, so when I finally got there, it was for my first year of study at Hebrew Union College, spending that year 1970-71 in Jerusalem. It was an Israel that was um, still flush with the victory of the Six-Day War, which at the time, I admit, uh, I mean, first of all, it was a great relief. I remember the build-up to the war and, and how how relieved I felt, and so many felt, when, when Israel won. And with, I, I would say, looking back with a, a touch not of, um, I, I don't really believe that God di directly intervenes in history, but um, it felt redemptive at the time. Uh, now I, I have a somewhat different view given that the given how long the occupation has gone on um, so in 1970 the occupation was still new the old city of Jerusalem was accessible it was easy to go to the wall but people could still point out uh, all of the rubble between say where Hebrew Union College is located next to the King David Hotel and the Jaffa Gate it was basically um, it was pretty much no man's land. There were a few car repair shops, but um, nothing like what one sees today. It was not yet the, the prosperous startup nation that Israel has become in the last uh, 10 or 20 years, um, but it was a young country flush with victory and um, uh, still with a labor government. Golda Meir was the prime minister. We she came and spoke to us. We stood in line, shook hands with her. Um, but I did leave at the end of that year in 1971 when I came back to, uh, well, to New York to continue my studies. I, I came back with the feeling that uh, some, something else has to happen, that, that the, the politics uh, in, the, in the aftermath of victory uh, uh, continuing to occupy the West Bank, this was not going to be a good future. Um, I didn't know what would happen, but I guess I thought at the time, or hoped at the time, that a way would be found to uh, enter into some kind of negotiations and uh, use the, the conquests of the Six-Day War as a, as a very strong bargaining chip to, to bring things basically to where the UN partition resolution said they should be two states for two peoples. So I am, I am a Zionist who, who also believes in that. I still hold on to the hope, um, but it does seem less and less likely that things are going in that direction. And if it does turn out to be um, that the future is a single state of Israel-Palestine, then, uh, then I am for democracy. One, one person, one vote, and uh, whether Israel continues in that context to be a Jewish state, whatever that means exactly, which is another topic of conversation, um, I don't know. I don't know what that, what that future would be, but, um, but then I would 
I mean, I'm, I'm for a democratic state in any case, small d. Um, I, am, I am not in favor of, uh, of occupation and the continuation of, of Jews being an occupying power over another people is in the long run, which is already the long run, 50 years is already the long run, uh, is, is corrupting and profoundly damaging, I believe, to, uh, to Israel as a, as a Jewish state and as a democracy. So I want, I want an end to the occupation, whether that becomes two states for two peoples, as I still hope, or a single democratic state where everybody gets an equal vote, um, that remains to be seen. I would feel sad about the loss of a, of a Jewish state because there is so much that Israel has achieved. So many things about Israel do seem, as I, as I said earlier, a kind of miraculous to me. And I, I, would, be, I would feel it as a, as a profound loss. But I guess I would have to look at it as, well, no history changes things. Nothing, nothing is forever. No, no kingdom has last for, lasted forever. No empire. No state. Um, I, I don't believe in slogans like the eternal undivided capital of the Jewish people. So if that's the direction history goes, we will have... Uh, partly blown an opportunity. But if there's a democratic state that's basically thriving in the Middle East and it's, uh, and it's Jews and Arabs together, well, on balance, that's a good thing. Yes, I'm a Zionist. And for me, it's all tied up in my family's history with the Holocaust. My parents um, had kids at a later age, so I had older parents who lived through the Holocaust. Um, they weren't in Europe, but they, uh, my mother was born in British Palestine. My dad was born in Cleveland, but their parents had fled the uh, violence in Europe. And they both have very vivid memories of listening to the news and then the aftermath and finding out, you know, the devastation to their families in Europe. And in my mother's case, her parents had nowhere else to go. And they came to British Palestine, and my grandmother worked in the orange groves, and my grandfather paved the first roads in his town. And my mother remembers the War of Independence very clearly. She joined the Navy in 1949, a year after the, um, the creation of the state. The existence of the state of Israel for my family was not, not was not and is not abstract because that was the only place for my family to go. And had we failed in the War of Independence, I wouldn't be here. We would have no family. So it's a very concrete, necessary thing. The necessity of a homeland is real. Um, that said, I just want to add that I'm in no way in favor of the annexation of the West Bank and um, what Israel is doing to the Palestinian people. I believe that both people deserve equal independence and an equal state. Um,
but I don't I don't relate that to Zionism because I also feel that the Jewish people need a state in that area um, in that land so I'm I'm still a Zionist even though my politics are very left so I guess that about does it, right? When we started this episode, we thought the issue was deciphering who is and who is not a Zionist. And then what does that mean for our community? But we realized after listening to four Zionists who certainly come at their Zionism from different angles, and one non-Zionist who theoretically could become one if some significant factors were to change, that the issue of being a Zionist or not is an outdated one. Israel is real. Whether or not someone is a Zionist is almost pointless. Perhaps it is like, to a certain degree, demanding a public and governmental recognition that Israel is a Jewish state. Whether or not you call it that, it is. I'm very thankful to each of our guests. We do not get enough opportunities to let people simply express their views while others, all of us, are being forced to fully listen. I hope each of you is more sensitive to the fact that not everyone has a passion and a love for Israel in their DNA, whether that is the DNA of someone born Jewish or someone who becomes Jewish. I hope you begin to think more deeply about the word Israel, the idea of Zionism, and were challenged by each of our guests. They were thoughtful and articulate, and I hope these are views that are held in all of our communities. We are not done with Israel. We are going to try in an upcoming episode to delve deeper into the issues that dominate our conversations, but also dissect the issues that too often seem to be in a holding pattern until the runway is cleared of potentially dangerous communal talking points. And I guess we'll just have to jump in because uh, if not now, then when? Or, I mean, if you will it, it is no dream. And that does it for our third episode. If you are listening but have not subscribed, please do so. And come on, give us five stars. I want to thank our wonderful producer and my co-host, Jonathan Posner. Be good to each other and have a wonderful and sweet new year. Yeah.